Welcome to the Cedar Lake Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired and fulfilled by this week's message from Pastor Neil Hopper. If you would like to know more about us, visit our website at clcc.church. So I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. And before I get started, I want to talk to you about giving, but I need you to know that I'm not addressing this because you don't give. So, well, why would you address it? Well, I felt like the Holy Spirit uh, led me to address this. <clears throat> giving is more than just financial, by the way. Uh, I said it earlier, there are some people who would rather give you $20 or $100 and leave, you, leave them on their way and leave you on your way than give you an open heart when you're talking about spiritual things. Uh, you know, sometimes it's easier to just, uh, and we do this in America all the time, we throw money at it. Just because you throw money at it doesn't mean you've solved the problem. And so sometimes it's not about, it's not about just giving a few bucks here or there. <clears throat> but I want to talk about it in, in, from the standpoint of the, the different ways, the attitude of giving, the heart of giving. Because in the end, for me, it always comes back to a heart issue. So if the heart is turned toward him, if the heart is open to him, um, you, you, you're different. You, you have a different response when God begins to deal with you. For a number of years around here, I taught what I called prophetic giving. And what I meant by that was, as I used to tell people, I used to say, tithe on what you want to make, not what you're making. And the reason I did that is because I, I had personally tried this. I was challenged by someone, tithe on what you want to make, not what you're making. And God began to bless that. Uh, Matt and Vaughn are not here this morning, but uh, Vaughn has told me several times they took that principle 25 years ago and they began to tithe on what they wanted to make, what, they, what Matt wanted to make, and God began to bless them. So to be really clear, this, I can look around this room. This is a room full of givers. So I'm not coming at anybody. You guys are givers. You give sacrificially. Just to be really clear, our giving, you can look at the numbers in here this morning, and our giving uh, of late has been as good or better than it was when our church had twice the members. Most people don't know that, but that's a fact. So I'm not, I'm not here to bring any kind of condemnation or to say you ought to be giving more. No, I'm here to say we give with a right heart and with a right attitude. That what we do, how we give, how we approach the things that God gives us is so vitally important. The, the attitude and heart, I'll almost always go back to attitude of heart in almost everything we do. If it's prophesying to somebody or giving to something, if you're doing it with a wrong attitude and a wrong heart, don't do it. And, and so let's look at a couple of scriptures. We are, um, we are indeed a culture of generous people. Um, I heard Louis Giglio say this one time on TBN, and I thought, that is so darn genius. I'm never going to forget that. But if you've ever read the story where Jesus, he sent two of his disciples, Luke chapter 11, he's, you don't have to turn there, I'm just going to tell you the story. So in Luke chapter 11, um, Jesus sends two of his disciples and he says, go over into the next city, Bethany of Bethphage. And he said, when you get there, 
you're going to find a colt tied on which no man has ever sat. And he said, when you, when you do that, when you find him, loose him and bring him to me. And we find Jesus riding in on generosity. Jesus often rides in on generosity. Now, what I love about that story more than anything is that person who gave that is not named. We won't know until we get to heaven what their name is. So to me, some of our giving, you, you don't have to be known or heralded uh, or any of those things. You give sometimes just because if you know the story in Luke chapter 11, he basically says, uh, if anybody asks you, why are you loosing the colt? You just tell them the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. There are some things that God gives us. Well, if you recognize that everything you have, God blessed you with. Amen. So it, you, 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 you can be wise and hardworking and all those things. And the Bible makes it real clear. You can put all of your money into a bag with holes in it. And, and life begins to be like you're putting money, you're taking everything you have and you're putting it into a, a, a bag and it's just leaking out the bottom. Because I can testify to you that there have been a lot of times in life that it was almost like, uh, you know, you're making money, but the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're spending it on this or that. Something's always going wrong. The brakes uh, need to be fixed and you have to put tires on the car and, and you have, it just seems like all of your money is going out the bottom of the bag. But there's a way to live where you're living under the blessing of God and God can, can, if you keep your heart where it needs to be, I believe he'll bless us there's some reasons why God asked us to give, and I'm going to try to address those this morning. But I, I had to just say up, up front, I'm well pleased with your giving. But I do think it's appropriate to remind you where yours comes from, you know, because we live in a, I'm just trying to get mine type of culture. Where, whatever you have, God blessed you with it. Every, if we recognize that, if you understand this little principle that what you have, He blessed you with. And how we respond and what we do with it, all of those things matter. And I used to say it like this, God always, uh, he, he knows what's in your checkbook. He knows what's in your pocket. He knows what's in your pocketbook. He knows what you have need of, even before you ask. And God is great at supplying. He is our Jehovah Jireh. So let me just look at, uh, let's go to uh, Luke 6, verses 36 and 37. Luke chapter 6, verses 36 and 37. And when you look at this, you'll, you'll know, for those of you who've been in church any length of time, you're going to know that this is a, a classic passage. Luke 6, 38, give. I, I'm, actually, I'm going to do the verse before that, 36 first. And then we'll get to 37. No, 37, 38. Okay. Judge not, you'll not be judged. Condemn not, you should not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Contextually, in context, he's dealing with an attitude toward judging and forgiving 
He's not just giving, he's not just talking to us here about money. We wouldn't be true to the text if we didn't say this because does it apply to money? You bet it does. But he's not just talking about finances. He's saying, judge not and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, you're not going to be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. And then he, in verse 38, he makes this plain. He says, give, and it shall be given unto you. And then he makes, starts to qualify this. He says, good measure. How's it going to be given? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. He's saying how you do a thing when you forgive from a heart of forgiveness, from a non-judgmental spirit, from that. He said the same thing applies. Give and it shall be given unto you. So this deals more, at least from my standpoint, I believe it deals more with, um, with the attitude of it, right in the middle of all of this of him dealing with all of this, if you go back and read that whole chapter, you go above it and below it, you're going to find out that in the middle of that, he takes one verse here and he says, I want to, I want to deal with this whole giving thing. Because giving is about attitude of heart. Whatever we give, more is going to be given back to us. If you give judgment, some judgment might be given back to you. If you give condemnation, some condemnation might, how you give is what's often given back. It's almost like the law of sowing and reaping. That's the reason we give with a right heart and a right attitude. And we say, I'm not going to give judgment. I'm not going to give condemnation. But with the same spirit, we say, give and it shall be given unto you. But I want to make something very, very clear. I want you to understand that a return on investment is not the only reason you should be giving. Will God give? Yes. Yes, He will give back. If I give, He's going to give back. But my heart, it, my motive has to be pure. My motive and my attitude, my heart toward a thing has to be right. So I can't just say, uh, you know, okay, uh, it's going to be given back to me. So I'm going to give, because this is what we were taught through the years, and there's a lot of people who get this wrong. I'm going to give a hundred, and praise God, God's going to give me a thousand back. But what happens when, when, we, when we don't get our thousand, our hundredfold return, or our thousandfold return, or whatever? What, what, what happens, and, and what is your attitude and heart when we start talking about giving? What is your attitude and heart toward it? Because do we believe God gives back and honors our giving? Absolutely. Yeah, we believe that. I believe that with my whole heart. But I tell you this, I have to keep a right spirit about it and a right attitude about it. So if you were to go, um, I, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to just give you a passage here and I'm going to tell you a, a little bit about it but I'm not going to ask you to go there because I don't want to get bogged down in Deuteronomy, but I'm going to read a couple of verses. Shannon, you don't even have to put it up. I just want you to hear this. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, there's an entire passage uh, from verses 7 through 15, and this is, this is what it said. 
in, in verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 15. I know this is Old Testament, but just hear it out, and it's going to help you. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of the gates of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut up thine hand from thy poor brother. But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him naught. For he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be a sin unto thee. Thou shalt surely give him and... Thine heart shall be not grieved when thou givest unto him. How's he going to do it? My heart's not grieved when I do it. Because that for this thing, the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all that thou puttest uh, thine hand unto. For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore, I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother and to the poor and to the needy and to the land. And if thy brother, an Hebrew man or an Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee and serve thee six years, back then there was a, a, this sort of thing where you could, sometimes it was as a payment, sometimes you owed somebody a debt. We can see this all through the Old Testament. But in this particular instance, he's saying, if they be sold unto thee and they serve thee six years, then in the seventh year, you're going to let them go free from thee. And when you send them out, you're, gonna, you're not going to send them away empty. And thou shalt furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your floor, out of your wine press, and wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him, and thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee this thing today. He said, every time you give, you're reminded that one time you were the poor beggar and at one time you were the one struggling and at one time you were the one that was coming out of Egypt. You had been in Egypt. You remember they had been in Egypt for all those years and then they came out and they, they brought some things with them. And he said, he, Deuteronomy saying, this is exactly what I'm telling you. He said, this is much the same. It's absolutely the same. Think about it. When your folks, when your ancestors came out of bondage, out of Egypt, out of slavery, they came out and God blessed them with some things. And he said, every time you do this, you're going to be reminded of where you came from. You're going to be reminded of why you do what you do. So just understand that every time we give, <clears throat> this is my takeaway from that. Every time you give, you're reminded that God is the greatest giver. He gave you his absolute best. So every time you give, I think there's in a sense, at least in my heart, every time I give, uh, I'm reminded of how much he's given me. And I'm saying to the Lord, I trust you. I would rather give you this. I'd rather be obedient in my giving. I'd rather be obedient in sowing a seed because there's different types of gifts. So I'd rather be obedient in... Um, in, in what you're telling me to do, I'd rather be obedient in that and do your will than I would be to, you know, just say, well, I, you know, flip them, man, let them, I'm just trying to get mine, I, you know, but there's, there's a, 
point of him saying, and you have to remember the way the culture was back then. He said, if they serve you six years, and in the seventh year, when you send them out, don't send them out empty-handed. In other words, he said, these people came, they were sold into bondage, or they were given to you as, a, as the payment of a debt. We can see this in the book of Kings when, you remember when the woman, she said, my two, they came after my sons, and I didn't have any way to pay them. And that's what would happen back then. If you owed somebody a debt, somebody may have to go and be surety for that debt. And so even your siblings, your kids, uh, not your siblings, but your children could be given as a payment, okay? So what he said was, is he said, even if they serve you and they serve you all those years, once you let them go, let them go, but don't send them out empty-handed, which is, which is an issue if you understand that when we, when we give to somebody, if, if they've been serving you and they've been payment for something for six years, up to six years on that seventh year, you would set them free. We don't even have time to talk about God setting you free in the seventh year or him being, or Jesus being our Jubilee. If you don't know Jewish culture, they had a year of Jubilee every 50th year. And in Jesus in the New Testament, he becomes our Jubilee. In other words, we don't have to wait every 50 years Think about this, in that culture, the culture that the Bible was written, every 50 years, there was a year of Jubilee. That meant all debts were canceled, slaves were set free, and everything changed. Amen? So Jesus is, in the New Testament, Jesus is our Jubilee. So I don't have to wait for a year to come. He is our Jubilee. In Him, I'm living in Jubilee. In him, my sin debt has been canceled, but I believe your debt, debt can be taken care of. In him, so many things can happen. So it's just, it's the attitude and the heart in which we do this. So let me bounce back here and let's talk about this. So we're talking about attitude and how when we give, we give with a right heart and a right attitude. And the right heart and attitude is not to say, hey, I'm not going to give them anything. I'm going to send them away empty-handed. By golly, they owed me this debt, and now they're going to leave. But he said, no, no, no. Give them, give them of your flock. Give them of your floor. That's the wheat, the things that come off of the, the, the threshing floor. Give them of the threshing floor. Give, give them something. Don't send them away empty-handed. That's how God does a thing. Amen? That's how God does a thing. So it's an attitude of heart more than it is anything. And then secondly... We have to ask the question, or I have to ask the question, why did God even, what, what, what is the whole point? Why did God create giving? Why do I have to give? Well, for me, I'll speak to me right now because I, don't, I, I can't speak for you. It works selfishness out of me. Ooh, y'all quiet this morning. <laughs> giving works selfishness out of me. It, it does. It, it works selfishness. Listen. For those of you who don't know, my wife was a way better giver than me. I, I, somebody sat me down when I surrendered to the Lord and was baptized in the Holy Spirit, September 23rd of 1985. Sometime within the next probably two weeks, a man of God in my church, an older elder gentleman sat me down and he said two things. He said, son, do you want everything that God has for you? I said, absolutely. He said, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he said, secondly, you need to learn how to be a giver. And here's what I said. Can you show me that in the Bible? Because I need to see that. And he said, sit down right here. Let me show. He shows me in the word. He takes me to the book of Malachi. And he talks about 
we robbed God and wherein have you robbed me? You've robbed me in tithe and offering. And so he shows me this in the word. He takes me to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter nine. And he talks about God loving a cheerful giver. He talks about giving uh, the way God wants us to give with the right heart because God loves a cheerful attitude, cheerful giver. And he says, this is what you do. I never questioned it again. From that moment on, I said, I'm gonna be a giver because the word says it. Now here's where I wanna get this morning. I need the word to challenge me on some things. Sometimes when I tell you I'm not satisfied and I want more, let me tell you how more will often come. More will often come in the face of I'm being challenged by something in the word. I'm, being, I'm looking at something in the scripture and saying that right there challenges me. I don't think I'm there yet. God grace me and help me because if, if we talk about attitude and we talk about being a cheerful giver, when the word confronted me, the minute the word comes and the minute you understand it, now I have to say, God, help me. That didn't happen overnight. I started being a tither that day. I started being a tither. But I also started being a giver in other ways because I wasn't working at the radio station, but I'd, I'd get my check cash and I'd bring $20 by every Friday. So this is way before I worked in radio and did Christian radio for a living. I was listening and it was blessing me, so I would be a giver. I would go by and here's something that you need to know. I wasn't smart enough to figure out that I didn't have, I, sh- I probably should have been the one getting, but I, I didn't see myself as just, oh, I'm so poor and needy. I saw myself as a giver. I started seeing myself. Anytime somebody said, can you help? I went, yeah, I could probably give something toward that. I always saw myself as the one giving. It's okay to receive. There's two sides to this coin. There's the giving and receiving, but it's, I, I understood that in my heart of hearts, I saw myself as a giver. Some, some of you, you, you don't see yourself there yet. I saw myself, saw myself spiritually. I'm a giver. Now, I may not have but an extra $5, and somebody else over here may have 500, but we give according to what God's put in our heart and what God put in my pocket, right? You, you don't give. So to me, I was always a giver. I was, am I open to receive? You better bet. Man, I, everybody likes to receive. Y'all don't like Christmas or what? Everybody likes a good gift, right? Everybody likes to get a good gift. But in Acts chapter 20, Jesus said, uh, the apostle Paul quoting Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why is that? Because the reason it's more blessed to give than to receive is because that means you had something to give. Amen. (laughs) Well, how does that work? Because I like giving. I like receiving way better than I like giving. Hey, I get you, bro. I'm with you. But being a giver says I had something to give. I saw myself as a giver. So we have something I've talked about around here for 30 years. You have givers and takers because some people just, they're they're always going to be on the take. And it's not that, you know, they just have never, they always see themselves as the person who's needy not the one that's the giver. And we've got people sitting here this morning who have way less than others, but they see themselves and they function as a giver even though they don't have as much as other people. Amen. Let's look at this. I want you to see this because when you look at, there's a scripture of a woman who um, 
she, she gave, and they call it, uh, many of you know it as the widow's mite. Uh, y'all know what I'm talking about with the widow's mite in scripture. So let's go to, let me find that very quickly for you. Luke 21, Luke chapter 21, verses one through four. Luke 21, one through four. And I want you to see this because um, verse 21, verse one says, Luke 21, one, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. I want you to notice that he was looking. He looked up and saw rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. He was, he was mindful of what they're giving. Nothing you give is without his knowledge. You don't have to shout it from the housetop. You don't have to tell people about it. Just because I don't know what you gave doesn't mean that he doesn't know what you gave. Not one thing that you give in faith and in a right heart is ever uh, is ever missed in heaven's accounting. Heaven is taking notice. Jesus, even in his earthly ministry, he's actually looking to see how they're casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. And he said, truly, I say, he said, truly, I say unto you that this poor widow hath put in more than you all. For all these out of their abundance have put in the offering for the Lord. But she out of her poverty has put in all her livelihood that she has. She's put in, he's put, uh, the, the, the one that Shannon has up there says, for all these out of their abundance cast in their offering of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all that uh, the living that she had. In other words, out of her poverty. Out of her poverty. So some people are giving out, he's, he's saying, Jesus Where's Jesus? I used to teach this all the time when I was teaching giving. He's one version, the King James Version says he's sitting over against the treasure. And he's, one version I think says he's watching how they cast in, how they gave. He's watching not what they gave necessarily. Now he notices she's given two mites and the rest of them are giving out of their riches. But it says he's sitting there watching, he's mindful of how they gave, the spirit in which they gave. And he says to them, even though she's put in way less dollar-wise, he says to them, she put in more than than y'all did. Because on a percentage-wise, on percentage, she don't have as much as you. So if you look at it, she cast in, the Bible says, all her living. She cast in all her living. So she's, she's giving everything she has. When you don't have much, it kind of hurts a little more, you see. You know, some people, like I said, especially if, if you're wealthy or you have means, sometimes people are giving what I call expendable income. And there have been many times that I gave because I needed God to do something. And I was, at a, I was like, okay, if this ain't going to pay my bills, I might as well give it away and hope that God can do something with it, believe that God can do something with it because it ain't going to pay my bills anyway. 
Has any of y'all ever been there? You ever been there where you really just said, hey, I'm going I'm to put this in the offering and believe because this right here ain't going to, ain't going to pay my, my bills any which way. So it don't matter. I might as well give something to God and hope and believe that he's going to see my gift because he's talking about how he's watching Jesus sitting over against the treasury and he's just checking them out. And he says to the rich people, she gave more than y'all did. She gave more than y'all did because she cast in everything she had. That's all she had. You gave out of your abundance and she gave out of her poverty or out of her lack. So again, it's that sacrificial giving. It's giving with a right heart and attitude. Yes, I like to be balanced when I teach giving. I like to be balanced because everybody can't give the same thing, but everybody can give sacrificially at times. So when we talk about giving, a lot of giving that's taught in the church is is taught from a standpoint of let's give to get or I'm going to buy God off. Listen, anything you do in faith, you're not buying God off. You can never give a seed faith gift. Seed faith is not buying people off. If you've heard seed faith giving taught, it is not buying God off. God is not impressed with your $500 gift or your $1,000 gift. God's, you, you don't impress God with your giving. You, you're obedient in your giving and God honors it. So if you're talking about tithing, See, we're talking about tithing in one sense of our giving, but then we're talking about seed gifts in another side of giving where I'm sowing a seed or I feel like God has told me to give something specifically. And when God tells me to give something specifically, that changes the equation. So what I've taught around here for a long time is yes, be consistent in your giving. And if you can't start out at 10%, start out at something. I think sometimes it's just a matter of working your way to it. There was a gentleman who attended this church who's gone home to be with the Lord. And I can remember him being very vulnerable with me at one point. And he was much older than I, old enough to be my dad. And he said, I have struggled with giving my entire Christian life because we were poor when I grew up and we didn't have. Okay, so I'm, I'm very... Uh, I, I, I understand that I'm compassionate toward that because see, when you come from nothing... Sometimes it's easy to pull things to you and you want to keep it. Hey, I want to get what I can and can what I get and put a lid on it. And then I'm going to sit on it and I'm going to keep what God has given me. But that's not what God has for us. It's you, you can't, you can't until you open your hand in giving, you can't, you won't have an empty hand and you're receiving. So does God give back? Absolutely. But when we talk about tithing and we're talking about sowing seeds, I want to show you one more thing, and then I promise we'll go home. But I want you to understand there's a few things that I'm going to finish with. First of all, I never, ever, ever, ever want you to give under compulsion where somebody is putting pressure on you. I mean, I get these things in my inbox. Some of you guys may do the same, where somebody, the word of the Lord has come to them and told them that if I don't give a $1,000 gift to their mission in some other part of the country, that some evil is going to befall me and all this nonsense, nonsense, it's nonsense. Don't, don't ever, no, 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 no. Uh, don't ever, we don't give because somebody puts pressure on us. We don't give because out of compulsion, we don't give. If, if God help me, if I ever put pressure on you, if we had a need in the church that was so great, I would flat let you know. But here's the thing. It's not manipulation. 
I put the need out there because oftentimes what you find is you put the need out there and somebody goes, oh, I feel like God is moving on my heart to give toward that. I can give toward that. So I'm not some, it's, it's just a matter of how that's presented because some people can present, y'all, y'all saw this clip. Y'all see the thing where the pastor had to apologize because he said, yeah, what, what was he wanting, Crystal? What was it? A Bagari. Okay. I don't even know what a Bagari is, but if you haven't seen that clip, it's here. You know what? That's the state. You see pastors that I'm, look, it's not about Gucci. I like to dress the way I dress and, and you know, it, it's, but it's, we cannot get into this thing where my spiritual sons and daughters, I'm giving y'all a, a spanking on a Sunday morning because y'all ain't got the right. I told y'all at Christmas time, I wanted a, some kind of a watch and, and I, I, God help you that you, y'all, y'all bunch of broke somethings. Y'all don't want to take care of the pastor. God help, God help the body of Christ. That's, that's nonsense. Cut that nonsense off. If you, amen, cut that nonsense off. We had somebody come in here one time and scold us one time because, because the bishop wasn't driving a, 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 a what was it, a, a Escalade. Said he wasn't driving an Escalade. I was thinking to myself, have you took a look around our parking lot? There ain't a lot of Escalades up here, my brother. Ain't nobody driving an Escalade, okay? And even if I could, I probably wouldn't. So there you go. Um, uh, but anyway, it's just when you have to, look, sometimes I like to be challenged, okay? I said it in the first part. I said, I like to be challenged. I like for the word to challenge me. I like to be challenged in my giving. I'm not just gonna let you sit here every week and not challenge you in some way for you to grow, continue to cultivate. But giving is cultivated and it's not beaten out of you. If I have to beat it out of you or if anybody does, that's, you're giving for the wrong, you're giving because I'm putting pressure on you, not because you're hearing Holy Spirit or you've cultivated a life of generosity. Don't ever let somebody do that. That's straight nonsense. It is straight nonsense. Just walk away. Or let me say, don't walk away. Run. Run away. Amen. You got to give and this and this. Okay, let me look at it. I'll let you see one thing. And this is, this is, um, let me, uh, this widow's mite thing is so good. So, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, we'll move quickly because I got to let you go home. So, Every man, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, every man, according as he purposes in his heart, let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Somebody said that means a hilarious giver. Well, I can, I mean, I can say amen to that, but there have been times God has told me to give something, and when I got done, I wasn't cheerful or hilarious about it. I thought my wife was going to kill me. We had a pastor that came one time and he had a place and he had radio stations in Nicaragua. And for those of you who are new, you don't know, I've done radio, Christian radio for 30 years. So I had a heart for radio. So this guy comes, Bishop brings this guy to the radio station. He has Radio La Luz in uh, in, uh, Peru. Radio La Luz. So he's building these radio stations and he don't have. So I didn't have anything to give. Jesus, help us all. So I felt like, I didn't have anything to give that day. He's just there and I feel compelled to give because I'm open to that, right? Okay, he's trying to do something. He's here. It's obvious he's here because he needs money or whatever. So nobody said anything to me. So I took my wedding band, hoping that my wife wouldn't kill me. 
And I gave it away. The one she gave me when we got married. And I went home and I said, please don't kill me. But I really feel like God told me to do this. So I'm giving under the word of the Lord and under something that God has told me. So I'm giving out of almost out of a command, like God told me to do this. So I'm giving that way. And I was pretty sad about it when I got home, not because she didn't make it. She said, look, if God told you to do it, you better do it. That's if you feel like God told you to do it, you better have done it. Well, I don't know. You can say a lot of things. The next day, my family, my entire family was in a brand new van that we had, a Honda Odyssey van, seven days old. There was a terrible accident and nobody in my family died. There probably should have been some deaths. God protected us. God was with us. And I was like, I don't think that happened because I gave. But here's the thing. I know that God can take care of things, that God is... He's going to see us through. He's with us. He's for us and all those things. And so I just felt like being obedient. I'm just being obedient to what he told me to do. So sometimes giving is about an attitude of heart. Sometimes it's about being cheerful. Sometimes it's about expecting something in return. Yes, when you give, it's okay to believe that he's going to give back. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, right? It's okay. That's not a bad thing. It's just not my motive. Now, if I pay, if I, if I pay, I say pay, if I give the tithe, I believe, I still believe in giving tithe, not under the law, but under grace. I still give 10% of my income. We have for years and years, but I also believe in sowing seed. So I give over, if I give the tithe back to him, if the tithe belongs to the Lord, who does it belong to? It belongs to him. So let me say this again. Stay with me. If the tithe belongs to the Lord, who does it belong to? So if I give him what's already his, did I give anything? I didn't give nothing. I've already given him what belongs to him. So if the tithe belongs to the Lord and I give him the tithe, what did I give? Well, I gave, yes, I gave the first 10%. I gave it back to him because it's a priority for me. So I'm giving, but I'm not really expecting a lot in return. I feel like that's my reasonable act of worship. That's what I do. That's what I I give as a reasonable act of worship. So it's not, but if I want to give over and above that, I sow seeds, I give gifts, I I do things for other people. I still support Pastor Daniel, who hasn't been able to be with us for a long, long time in Ghana. I try to send him money from time to time. If somebody comes by, I try to, I try to, you know, I try to give seeds and offerings if I, if I go somewhere. If I go somewhere and I receive a blessing from somebody, if I'm in a church service, I will always uh, try to give something back. I'm not just going to go in there and get a, get a blessing out of a service and not give something back to the man or woman of God that's preaching and sharing. I'm not, if I feel blessed, I'm going to give something. If, if, I go, if I go through Wendy's, I'm not just going to drive off with the burger and say, God bless you. I won't pay for it. So I'm not paying necessarily. I'm not saying, hey, but the man or woman of God, they're worthy of that offering. So if I, if I receive from it, I try to give something back. Amen? So it's okay. So is there a place for a return on investment? Because that's what a lot of people, especially a businessman or businesswoman, what's the ROI? Return on investment. Well, I leave that to the Lord most of the time. I just say, God, Whatever you want to give me, if you want to bless me, and there are people that bless me from time to time. There are people that give. I just give as I feel led by the Holy Spirit. That's how I give. 
I, I, you know, and sometimes I give, I don't expect nothing in return. God, you've already given so much to me. You've already blessed me so much. If you don't ever bless me again, you've already given me enough. So how much do I give? You give what he tells you. Sometimes it's understanding that you just give what he tells you. I, I'm gonna finish in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42 through 44, and I'm, I'm gonna finish right here because I'm gonna talk about you cultivating a heart that listens and you just do it because the Lord said. Is that all right? Second Kings, in 2 Kings chapter, what did I say? 2 Kings 4, verses 42 through 44. That's the last few verses in that, um, in that whole chapter. And I'll read it to you very quickly, uh, and we'll go home. Is that all right? No compulsion. Nobody's doing anything wrong. Just I'm reminding you of the promises of God. If you give, it will be given back. If you bless, you will be blessed. If you just keep a right heart and a right attitude. And here's what I've learned through the years. I had to learn. The word had to challenge me. God had to speak to my heart. So in verse 42, and there came a man from this funky place called Baal, Shalisha, Baal Shalisha, and brought a man of God bread of the first fruit. So it was a first fruits offering. That's a whole nother thing we don't have time to get into. But he, bought, he brought bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in the husk. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. I want you to hear this. Give to the people that they may eat. And the servitor said, what should I set this before a hundred men? He said, I've got 20 loaves of bread and some corn over here, and I'm going to set all of this in front of a hundred men. And he said again, give the people that they may eat, for thus saith the Lord, they shall eat and shall leave thereof. So he set it before them, and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. There are times... You give according to the word of the Lord. So in this particular scripture, he's saying, God told him through the prophet, you give it. I know 20 loaves and a few ears of corn ain't enough, right? It's not enough to feed 100 men. 20 loaves of bread, I don't know how big those loaves were, but it's not enough to feed 100 men. And he said, if I... If I said it before him, it's not going to be enough. And he said, you do it because God said to do it. Sometimes that's just enough reason to give. Now, now you know when Jesus took loaves and fishes, he has to be thinking the people, see people in that time, they knew the first century Jews, they knew the stories. They had to learn Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They had to learn the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. So when you, in that culture, they would have known, most likely would have known this story. They would have known this story. So they, they would have understood this story. So the same difference, what does he do? He takes loaves and fishes and he blesses it and he breaks it. And the miracle takes place not in God's hands, but in the server's hands. The miracle takes place, not in God's hands, but in your hands. So he says, okay, God, 
the, the word of the Lord came and said, you give the loaves and you give the ears of corn, you set it out before them and you let me handle the rest. Sometimes it's about doing it by the word of the Lord, where you felt compelled to do something. You saw somebody in need and you felt compelled to give something or to do something. And it's just the word of the Lord. You, you don't know why you wanted to give that person 20 bucks or why you wanted to pay for their groceries. They were in the line behind you or in front of you and you said, just put theirs on mine. I got them today. I don't know why I did that. I just felt like God was supposed to, he was, I was supposed to do that. See, there, I know guys that I hang out with, if you go to lunch with them, they're never going to offer to pay for lunch. They ain't learned how to be a giver. They ain't learned how to be a giver. But I've cultivated a giving spirit. I've cultivated a giving lifestyle. Sometimes I keep money in my pocket just so I can give it away. You say, is you crazy? A little bit, but that don't matter. You have to, you, you see what I'm saying? Like sometimes I just like, Sometimes there'll be those days that I just say, man, I've got money or I'll see somebody or I'll see something or somebody will be asking me a question or something. And I'll say, I was at the last time I was up at Lynn House, his brother has a ministry and they minister to, to a drug culture. It's a lot of drugs in West Virginia, in the hill country of West Virginia. And I happen to know that. Well, I had like $200 in my pocket or whatever. And I, I knew what his brother did. Now, Lynn's the famous preacher. His brother is the one that's making a local impact. And Lynn himself would tell you that. But I felt compelled. I thought, man, you know what? Who's going to help the drug addict in his community if somebody don't give this man some money and say, keep doing what you're doing because the drug addict needs you. They need your ministry. They need you reaching out. So somebody just dropping a couple hundred bucks in your hand. Look, I don't even live in the area. But what I was saying to him is, I love you. I appreciate the gift of God in you. I appreciate, I felt compelled. I felt like God told me to do that. I don't worry about that $200. God either give it back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, or I'll live without it. But the bottom line is, I gave with a right heart and a right spirit. It's all about cultivating this attitude of giving, this, this attitude of gratitude, this attitude and cultivating that and letting it grow and then watching God just give back and bless you over and over again and watch God just get seeds growing up over here and seeds grow, harvest. Every time I give, I just leave it in God's hands. God, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, I'm just going to leave it in your hands. But if he tells me to do it, I'm going to do it. Amen? Stand up on your feet and let's go home. Thank you for cultivating a generous heart and a generous attitude. Thank you. I know you can look around here. I'm telling you, thank you, because the people in this church are giving people. I did not preach this because you're not. The truth is you're very giving, and I'm so grateful. I just remind you, we keep a right heart. We keep a right attitude. We keep a right spirit. Amen? We do it because He did so much for us. Every time I give, I'm reminded that the greatest giver is God so loved the world that He gave. Father, we do thank You and give You praise. We bless Your wonderful name. God, I pray for that one today who came in maybe heavy or dealing with some things. We understand that the greatest gift that we could ever give you is ourself, to give ourself away. I can't give the $20 away. I can't give the $20,000 away. I can't give anything away until I give myself away. 
surrender totally to you and to what you want to do in my life. I pray over this people. God, I'm grateful for the giving heart and attitude in this congregation. I'm grateful, Lord, for those that have sacrificially paved the way through the years. The land that we stand on, the building that we sit in, paid for because somebody gave. Alive today because my parents gave. Where I am today because somebody gave and poured into me. Somebody gave and made today possible. Not just financial, but emotionally, physically, somebody gave. Somebody said, it's not about me, but I'm all about pouring into the next generation, pouring into my sons and daughters, pouring in to others. And I thank you, Lord, that it's poured from vessel to vessel and not a drop is lost. God, I give you praise for it. Now, I thank you that you bless the gift and the giver. Every time we give, Lord, we're reminded that you are an extravagant giver, an extravagant giver. Now, help us cultivate a right heart, a right attitude, and a right spirit. And as we give, we leave the return in your hands. We believe 30, 60, 100, whatever you choose to do, we receive it with thankful hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a hand. He's an extravagant giver. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 